we shall see even as I shall lay out that that is really what we um, that is really not what we see from uh, from scripture before this Azusa Street revival these ideas that one is to be baptized by the spirit is to be fueled by the spirit were just on the fringes before for the first 19 centuries of church history these ideas were not as widespread as they are now. The position that the church has held for all this time was just, was just that the extraordinary or sign gifts had ceased. The extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit had ceased until literally just 10 seconds ago. And friends, why am I saying this? This is just to show us that not only is this idea that the extra, extraordinary gifts of the Spirit are still functional today, not only is it unbiblical, it is also unorthodox. It fails the test of orthodoxy. The early church fathers were cessationists. They believe that the gifts, the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit had ceased. Irenaeus, Augustine, Athanasius, Aquinas, Luther, Calvin, John Knox, the Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, Spagen, all of them were cessationists. And this is important for us to know why. Because um, with the way that this idea has been propagated um, in our world today, with the way... This idea that there are people who have the gifts of prophecy has been made widespread today because of how many people are now calling themselves prophets, uh, because of how many people are now self-proclaimed prophets. Um, um, we often joke that in Harare, if you throw a stone, if you randomly throw a stone, you are likely to eat it. You're likely to eat a, 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 a prophet, a self-proclaimed prophet. Everyone, because they, everyone, because they have been brought into this post-Azusa world, everyone just believes that um, they have the ability to hear from God. Everyone just generally believes they have the ability to receive special revelations from God. Everyone thinks that um, they can have uh, supernatural dreams. Everyone just believes that. You know. Everyone just generally believes that um, God speaks to them in their dreams. Their dreams mean something. Because of the way that prophetic ministries have um, spread across the nation. When you see all of that, it is easy to assume that that is the way that things have always been. But no, not really. This is just recent. This is always the idea that the operational, the, the, the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit are still operational today. This has always been an isolated position. It has always been on the fringes. Held by a few people. And you know what? All of those people that hold to that position had in common. They deny the sufficiency mm. of scripture. Mm. They deny the sufficiency and authority mm. of scripture. That's what is common to all of those people. And that is why this subject is important to us uh, this evening. Um, that is the reason why we should dedicate time, a time like this, to study what the Bible really says about this issue. So, here is how I'm going to lay out our study tonight. I want to start off by uh, really going on offense. Um, I want to hit the snake at its, uh, at its head to... <laughs> um, In, uh, in Shona, there's a statement that uh, uh, we say that 
kuroa se nyoka yapinda mba like you're being beaten like a, a snake that is into the house and that's what I'm that's really what I want to do uh, this evening because I believe it's it, it is a deadly snake that is clipped into the church of God and friends it must be thoroughly beaten um um and to do this I'm going to start by exposing from the roots why I think this idea this notion that operational uh, the extraordinary gifts of the spirit are still operational today this idea that uh, God still give people the gifts of prophecy that we still have prophets in our modern day is operational today I, I want to show where that is emanating and why that has become a prevalent position in our society um after that, I will counterclaim that position from the scripture. Show and show what the Bible really says about prophets or who a prophet is. So that we develop a robust understanding um, over this issue. And then proceed to show from the scriptures why the gift of, this, the gift of prophecy is no longer operational today. So, why, has, um, why do many people believe that the gifts um, of the Spirit, the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit are operational today? Why do many people believe that God still gives people the gifts of prophecy? Why is it that um, the prophetic movement has rose to fame in our day? The first thing that I want to mention is um, revivalism. Now, don't, don't be afraid of uh, the isms, <laughs> of, of the big word. But revivalism, it's a culture that has been around the church uh, since uh, the first great awakening in the um, 18th century, uh, since the first and second great, great awakening, the second, especially, particularly the second great awakening, which happened in the 1950s in America. And it was laid by a guy called um, Charles uh, Finney. And what came out of uh, those awakenings, particularly the Second Great Awakening, was this idea that um, people can really schedule, schedule a revival. And what that did is... Um, it got a lot of Christians to, uh, to always be um, expectant of revival. Not that there is anything wrong with that, but they became really pragmatic about it. That, um, I remember, um, before I became reformed in the charismatic circles, you would know that regularly during the year, you'd get uh, a, a revival meeting. There was always a revival that was scheduled, a youth revival, a women's revival. And what that uh, did is it created a culture of Christians who are really experiential. They are living from the next experience to the next experience. They are living on spiritual highs. And the Azusa Street, it really came, uh, the Azusa Street revival, it was really bad out of... Um, out of that uh, tradition that came from Charles Finney. And what revivalism does, and the reason why um, uh, so many uh, biblical Christians speak against it, is because it creates a Christian who is not content with the regular means of grace. It creates a Christian who is uh, not content with the regular Sunday worship service. It creates a Christian who is not content with the regular reading of the word of God and prayer and devotion. It creates a Christian who wants spontaneity, who is always looking for the next experience. It creates a Christian who is always looking for more. And these charlatans, uh, these self-proclaimed prophets, 
They have really pounced on that. They have really pounced on that culture that has been created in the church and they've taken advantage of that. And what the prophet basically does, these false prophets basically does, he presents himself as the gateway to the next experience. He presents himself as the uh, gateway to the next spiritual high. He has what they call a fresh word from God. A rhema word from God, as they would say. He has a, a, a new revelation from God. Something that is beyond. He can take you to the next experience. It's coming from this revivalism culture that has been created in the church. One of the reasons why the prophetic movement, this counterfeit prophetic movement, has increased in the church. The second thing that I want to point out, why um, we see uh, a lot of people believing this, that God still gives the gifts of the um, the gifts of prophecy is still operational today. It's friends, frankly, demonic deception. I, I, you will see this. Um, I want to point you to First Corinthians chapter number twelve, when Pro is introducing the subject of um, spiritual gifts. The part, the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse one, before he deals on the subject of spiritual gifts, he lets them know, brethren, uh, 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 concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be bred, to be to be ignorant. For you know how when you were pagans, you worshipped dumb idols. And what he's doing there is referring to their mystic pagan worship. The, the religion that uh, Corinth was, um, was surrounded by, it was a mystical religion. It's, it was called uh, a, a mystic religion. There were a lot of mystic cults around Corinth during that time. And Paul is referring them to their mystic pagan worship. They were so steeped in mysticism, which made them so susceptible, so vulnerable to deception, uh, especially on this issue of gifts. And I guess that is probably also the reason why the prophetic... Um, the prophetic movement has also um, sprouted in Africa, has also uh, increased in Africa and spread in Africa because of our recent pagan background. A lot of uh, churches, a lot of these prophetic churches have just uh, syncretized African spirituality and Christianity. And that is why... Uh, uh, Pastor Conrad Mbewe rightfully asked at the strange fire that are we preachers or are we witch doctors? The African church has been largely deceived. Most of the people that claim they have gifts of prophecy actually have gifts of, uh, I wouldn't call them gifts, but actually are, are divinators. That's what they are. They are no different from the village witch doctor or the nanga. There's really no difference. It's the reason why this prophetic movement, is the reason why this, um, many people are claiming that they have gifts. It's the work of devils. It's demonic deceptions that we see across uh, Harare, across Zimbabwe, all the way across Africa. And then thirdly, one of the reasons why the prophetic movement is sprouted in our day, and many people claim that they have the gifts of prophecy, prophecy is the lack of trust in traditions and a lack of trust in tradition and institution. To those who might be aware, I, I speak about this oftenly. Uh, we live in a postmodern world. And... A postmodern world is characterized by a rejection of objective truth. 
It is characterized by a, an objection of grand narratives. It is characterized by a rejection of any form of external authority or tradition. It is characterized by a rejection of history. We are skeptical of history. That's, that's many people in our culture today. They are skeptical of history. Anything that is tradition. They are skeptical of creeds and confessions. And friends, that skepticism towards history, towards tradition, towards creeds and confession, you hear a lot of people say, um, no creed but the Bible. It's coming from this air that is in our culture, this postmodern air that is in our culture. Mm-hmm. Friends, that idea, it puts us in a very vulnerable place. And these self-proclaimed prophets have pounced on that. With their new experiences, with their new revelations, they'll even tell you that you can have your own revelation, your own personal experience. You don't need to listen to the creeds or confessions. You don't need to listen to the church fathers. Just listen to, uh, to a small, still voice inside of you. Listen to yourself, yeah, really. Um, listen to your heart, trust your intuition. It's the reason why many people believe they have the gift of prophecy. We live in a postmodern world that is denied orthodoxy, that is denied tradition, creeds, and confessions. And then, fourthly, um, which is um, probably the most important one, it's the reason why this um, has become widespread is because of um, denial of the sufficiency of Scripture. Majority of people believe that the gift of prophecy is still operational today. And that they can hear directly from God is because the reason why many people believe that is because they deny the sufficiency of scripture. It's because they believe scripture is not enough. So there is need for more. They do not believe that the holy scriptures are the only sufficient and infallible rule of life, faith, and godliness. They do not believe that. We want, they want a fresh word from God. They want a fresh revelation, not the written, not the written word of God. That is where it's, it's, it's coming from. And uh, maybe I should put this disclaimer that it's not everyone who holds this view who outrightly deny the, the sufficiency of scriptures. There are people who, uh, who hold to, uh, to the reformed view on the sufficiency of scripture, but on this point, on this issue of spiritual gifts, they um they drift and i'm going to i'm going to show why um i'm i'm, I'm referring to uh in the reformed tradition those that refer to themselves as open but cautious um i'm going to show why uh even those people in our tradition ultimately also deny the sufficiency of scripture mm. This idea, it, it is dangerous to hold on to this position because ultimately it undermines the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. Mm. Now, before I give a defense of cessationism, before I base our position on why the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, I want to start off by giving a biblical understanding of what prophecy is and what the role of 
role of the office of a prophet was biblically. Because if we are to counter, if we are to counter an attack on the sufficiency of scripture, we need to go to the scriptures. We need to see what prophecy is from the scriptures. Now, in order to do that, I'll start by giving a definition of what it means to prophesy. Um, to prophesy simply means to speak a prophecy. And prophecy is simply a message from God. And the one who proclaims prophecy, who speaks a message from God, is a prophet. Because he declares the message of God. Although many times um, foretelling the future, predicting the future is often associated with prophecy. However, since only God knows the future, any authoritative word about the future must of necessity be a prophecy. Mm. Which is, um, it is a message from, from God. That is important to realize. A prophecy is not just uh, predicting the future or predicting the football score, as many of these self-proclaimed prophets do nowadays. Mm. Prophecy is it's proclaiming a message from God. You're proclaiming a message from God. Now, in the Old Testament, there are prophets who simply spoke their message to to the king or to either the people of God uh, in Israel. You have people like Samuel, Nathan, Elijah, Elisha. And then there later came the writing prophets whose message is um, preserved in scripture. You have um, prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Malachi. And what the prophet does, he acts as a mediator between God and, and men. And I want you to think of, of, of Moses. He was teaching the people of God um, God's statutes. He was teaching the people of God God's way. There's a verse in the Old Testament which says that by a prophet, God delivered Israel. By the end of a prophet, God delivered Israel. And that is what... Uh, uh, the role of the prophet is really to teach people the way of uh, the way of God and to represent people uh, to God, to act as a mediator between God and men. And often, quite often, the prophets that we see in the scriptures they would often preface their words with utterances such as, Thus saith the Lord. Or, this is what the Lord says. And why is that important? The point is that there was no ambiguity about what the prophets were saying. It was clear from what they were saying that they were speaking on behalf of God. Thus said the Lord. That's what they always do. So that you have no uh, ambiguity or uncertainty over whether if what you are hearing is a word from God or not. Whether it was uh, the word of man or God, there was no ambiguity about that. He knew that if someone says, thus says the Lord, he's not speaking from his own mind. Is declaring the word of God. God had uh, commanded the prophets to, um, to speak his message. He was directly representing him and speaking for him. And it's the, it's the same thing, I think, that Second um, Peter chapter number 1, verses, verse 21 says. Let me just uh, quickly read it. Second Peter... Chapter number 1, verse 21. 
Second Peter chapter number one, verse twenty one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And friends, the verse that I just read now, it refutes what the continuists uh, claim, what the open but cautious brethren claim. Because it is clear from this verse that no prophecy has ever come from the will of man. All these men that have prophesied, they are speaking from the will of God. John Piper and Wayne Grudem, they represent the open but cautious crowd. They are on record saying that... uh, New Testament prophecy, prophecy in the New Testament, does not um, carry the same level of fallibility and scripture level authority. They are on record uh, saying that, but friends, that is not what we see from from. From this scripture, the Bible doesn't make that distinction between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Um, It is unorthodox. That position is unorthodox. It is against the historic and biblical view of prophecy. And uh, it's probably maybe because they are dispensational. So they have this way of viewing the word of God in the new and, and old and um, prophecy in the Old Testament was another thing, and prophecy in the New Testament, it's 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 another thing. But what we have to understand is that what God gave the prophets was not um, was not diminished by an iota of human fallibility. Now, from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible shows four foundational characteristics of true prophecy. And I'll quickly run this through. Number one, true prophecy is always verbal. It's the very words of God. It's, it's never an impulse or an impression of a feeling that needs interpretation. It is precise. It is a precise, direct message from God. Number two. True prophecy is propositional, which means that it is either true or it's false. There is no middle ground. A proposition is either true or its negation is, is true. We are both true. There is nothing like that. It's either true or it's false. If someone invokes the Holy Spirit as the source of his prophecy, but what he says is false. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to reject both the prophecy and the prophet who does that. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter number 18, verse 1 to 5. Deuteronomy chapter number 18, verse 20 to 22. The prophet comes among you and he tells you, that says the Lord. And what he says doesn't happen. You reject him. I think Deuteronomy 13 actually says you, you have to stone that prophet, mm. that prophet to, mm. to death because he's claiming that he's speaking on behalf of God. Yet mm. he's lying. God doesn't lie. Mm. Mm. Number three, true prophecy is infallible. Whatever God spoke through his prophets, through his prophets was error free. And utterly unaffected, unaffected by human fallibility. Number four. Because a true prophecy is verbal, propositional, propositional and inherent, the only conclusion to draw is that it carries the full weight of divine authority. 
from the descriptions that I gave of true prophecy above, which is that it is verbal, it is propositional, which means that it's either true or false. And thirdly, it is inerrant. The only conclusion that can come from that is that true prophecy, it bears the full might of divine authority. If someone claims that they are proclaiming a true prophecy from God, they are speaking on behalf of God, it carries a weight of divine authority. That is why we must not play around that. And I want us to know that ever since the end of the apostolic age and the completion of the canon, only scripture can claim that level of authority. It's only scripture that can claim that level of authority. Not man. Uh, let me read uh, our confession. Chapter 1, paragraph 1 of the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Here's how it reads. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, Satan and infallible rule of all saving, knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give, them, to give that knowledge of God and his will which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church. And afterward, for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing which make it the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary. And I want you to listen to this part. Those former ways of God's revealing His will mm. unto His people mm. being now seized. There are many people that say that uh, the confession doesn't have a position <laughs> on uh, cessationism on this issue. The confession has a position on this issue, it is definitive. The former ways of God revealing himself in the past have ceased. Mm-hmm. And I, I want you to look at how the confession even juxta, um, juxtaposes these two ideas. Um, it recognizes that the cessation of the former ways which God revealed himself in sundry times and in past manners, um, necessitates the sufficiency and authority of Scripture. I, I want you to see that. Because um, these um, former ways that God revealed himself have ceased, it necessitates the sufficiency of Scripture. And on the, on the other hand, what we see from this, it, it, it means that the admission of the continuance of the gifts of, this, of, of, of the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit, the former ways in which God revealed Himself, it means the admission of the continuance of, the, of those uh, former ways which God revealed Himself, it abrogates, it denies the sufficiency of Scripture. The way that the confession um, contrasts these two ideas, it, it means there is no need to ground. The scriptures are sufficient, are, are, are the sufficient, only sufficient, certain, infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience because the former ways of God revealing himself to men have ceased. Mm. That's what necessitated it. Mm. If you deny that, if you think that uh, the former ways of God revealing himself are still operation, are still in operation, are still functional, then you, you, you do not hold to the sufficiency of scripture. You cannot. 
You cannot. Those two things, the confession is contrasting them. It's an either or position. If you believe that you still can hear from God, then the, the scriptures, they are not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, it means that you, you can declare the message of God, you are a prophet. It, it, it means that the canon of scripture has not been closed. That's what it means. So, friends, this is, um, this is a very, um, this is a very um, important subject. Now, I like the, um, the, the verse that the confession referred to when they say that um, it pleased the Lord that at hundred times and in, and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that is you and to change and afterward for the better pro- preserving the propagating of the truth um, he has make he has made his holy scriptures to be most necessary those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now seized it's, a, it's an allusion of um, Hebrews chapter number 1 and now I'm just going to uh, briefly lay out why um, we see from the scriptures why I think that the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of prophecy has ceased. And I'm going to lay this out. Um, and the first thing that why the gifts of prophecy has ceased and the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit have ceased is because Christ is God's final word. God has reviewed his ultimate revelation who is uh, Christ Hebrews chapter number 1 let's quickly read together Hebrews chapter number 1 verses 1 to 3 uh, just verse 1 long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And, and that's the, uh, the verse that the confession is referring to. It's alluding to Christ is king, is God's final word. In the Old Testament, Moses is sold. I think it's Deuteronomy 18, that I'm going to send another prophet who is better than you, he shall teach my people his ways, and unto him shall be the obedience of the nations. John chapter number one says, uh, grace, um, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth is came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God the Father, but Jesus Christ has declared him to us. Christ is the last prophet. He is God's final word. Christ is the culmination of that office of the prophet that all the other Old Testament prophets, all of them, they were prefiguring Christ. Christ is the one that bears that office that ultimately the office of prophet priest and king is the one that teaches us the ways of god is the one that leads us to the father no one can come to the father except through me he's the one that shows us the way of salvation is the door that leads us to the truth is the door that leads us to to the father christ is the one that gives us salvation Christ is the one that mediates. There's, um, there's only one mediator between God and man. The man Jesus Christ is the one that mediates men to God. He's the one that presents, um, that redeems men from God. He died as appropriation for the sins of man. And it's the same thing that we see, I think, in the transfiguration. You see the... Moses and Elijah, they were affirming that, um, you know, they, they were witnessing, they were affirming that Christ 
truly is God's final word. Um, when a voice was heard saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. The law and the prophets, Moses representing the, the prophets, were saying in that instance that Christ, this is the ultimate prophet. Romans chapter number 3, verse 23, um, it alludes to the same thing also, that the, the law, uh, we see the righteousness of God, which comes through faith, being revealed in Christ. The law and the prophets, they bear witness to it. Christ is that ultimate prophet. So friends, um, the gifts of prophecy has ceased because Christ is God's final word. There's no longer need of uh, prophets because Christ is that final prophet who reveals the will of God to men. He's the Logos, the word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Secondly, um, Ephesians chapter number 2. The book of Ephesians chapter number 2. Let me start from verse 16. Verse 15, really. By abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, verse 18, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's referring to the Gentiles, both Jew and Gentiles. They've been made into one new, new man. And verse 20 is the one that I want you to, to pay particular attention to. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So friends, the gifts of the prophecy has ceased and the office of the prophet has ceased in our day. Because as this scripture says, the church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. And that foundation has been laid. Vody Balkam says that um, I don't know a building which needs uh, two foundations to be. That foundation has been laid. It's what we see in the scriptures. These offices, these gifts, these gifts of the prophets, these gifts of prophets, they had a reason why these people were given. And that reason has been fulfilled. They were laid as a foundation. And I think uh, Hebrews, um, this is also, um, I think Hebrews chapter number two, uh, um, let me just quickly read it. Hebrews chapter number two, Hebrews chapter number two, it says that, Hebrews chapter number two, verse three, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who had. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So God in the apostolic era, what is known as the apostolic era, he gifted these gifts of the Holy Spirit, these gifts of apostle and prophet, these extraordinary gifts of the Spirit, they were being seen during that era because God was laying a foundation for his church. And the church has been built upon that foundation. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, who preached the, the gospel, we are saved by grace through faith, that both Jew and Gentile have been 
given the same access to the Father. He's the last apostle. And God has laid that foundation. The gospel was believed upon the Gentiles. That's what Paul says. And because the gospel has been spread and he has been uh, testified and witnessed by these signs and wonders of the Spirit, a foundation for the church has been laid. And because of that, friends, um, that purpose, the reason why God gave the gifts of apostles and prophets, that office has ceased because the foundation has been laid. Because the Spirit has worked in laying that foundation. And us saying that these gifts are still functional, the gifts of prophets is still functional, is denying the work of the Holy Spirit in history. We're saying that the foundation that God has laid, it's, it's not enough. There's another foundation which needs to be laid. We're going against the scriptures, friends. Let me just quickly rush through my last points. And thirdly, um, it's because the canon has closed. The gifts of prophecy, as I said earlier, <laughs> has ceased because the canon of scripture has been closed. The canon of the scriptures, the, 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 the holy scriptures, the, the, the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments, they, they make the holy scriptures, they've been preserved for us, the canon has been closed, and us claiming that we have another word from God, it's really adding to the scriptures. And Revelations, the last chapter of Revelation, warns people who do that, who adds to the word of God. And then lastly, the gifts of prophecy has ceased. Because, friends, it fails the test of orthodoxy. All through church history, you really, you really do not see, the, see it. You really do not see the miracles that were seen in the apostolic age, where people were being raised to, to life from the death, from the dead. You really don't see these extraordinary gifts of the spirits operational. All through church history, which led Calvin to... Let me uh, read this quote from Calvin. He says that, Did this ministry, which um, the apostles then performed, still remain in the church? It will also, it will also be um, us to observe the laying of hands. But since the gifts has ceased to be conferred, to what end is the laying of hands? Assuredly, the Holy Spirit is still present with the people of God, but those miraculous, those miraculous powers and manifest operations which were distributed by laying of hands have ceased. Mm. They, were, um, they were only for a time. They were only temporary. And this is a... This is a, a, a huge, uh, this is a huge one. The reason why we believe that the gifts of prophecy has ceased is because it fails the test of authority. It just isn't there. It just isn't there. As I explained what true prophecy is earlier, true prophecy is speaking the message of God. It's infallible. It's authoritative. It's not what we see nowadays. It's not what we see nowadays. Modern prophecy, it's errant. It's fallible. It is, it is not biblical. It's, so are we saying that the, the gifts of prophecy that is there now, it's, it's not the genuine one? What, what are we saying when we're saying it's still operational? I remember one of the uh, famous self-proclaimed prophets in Africa, 
T.B. Joshua. A lot of people regard him as a prophet. Two times that I know, that I recall. He said something that was false. He said God said and it didn't happen. Mm. I remember during the 2016 elections, he said that the woman who win, Clinton, that says the Lord, Hillary Clinton will be president. And she was beaten. Mm. She didn't win. Mm. I don't know how, what he said after, after that. But if you claimed to have heard from God, if it is true prophecy, it cannot be. Wrong. It cannot be wrong. It is not subject to human fallibility. It's infallible. It's inerrant. So that is not prophecy. Uh, during COVID also, uh, when it began, he said that COVID will be gone by March 2020. March 2020 came. The COVID was still there. It outlived him. <laughs> That's... That's what shows you that it is not prophecy. The gifts of the, the gifts of prophecy has ceased because it is not operational today. The biblical gifts of prophecy is not operational today, unless you are the the only the only way it can be operational today is if you are dispensational, because <laughs> dispensational holds to different uh that the gifts of prophecy was different in the old testament in the old testament that's when it was infallible and now it's fallible that's what dispensationals john piper is on record saying this the new testament prophecies can be fallible you can get some things wrong but that's not biblical prophecy we do not read the Bible in that way. There's one covenant of grace that runs all through the Old Testament, the New Testament. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The biblical gift of prophecy is not functional today. It has ceased. And friends, I just want to end by saying that. What is at stake here? It's... Um, as I mentioned earlier, the way that the authors of the 1689 Confession see it, they juxtapose uh, this idea with the sufficiency of Scripture. Because, friends, that is what is at stake. If we admit that's the gifts of prophecy, God still speaks to men, still reveals himself in the way that he revealed himself in times past. We are on our way to deny the sufficiency of Scripture. We are on our way, we are denying the work of the Holy Spirit in history, what he has done in the church, that the foundation has been laid on the apostles, the work of the apostles and the prophets. We are denying the work that Christ has done in history. That is what is at stake. Amen.